0: All right, well, we'll jump right on into our lesson for tonight, and uh, of course, after the lesson, we'll take a couple moments. If you've thought of a prayer request you'd like to share, we'll take just a couple moments, and then we'll close in a season of prayer. So we're uh, in Genesis chapter number 8, verses 20 through 22, and this evening, we want to look at the thought of worship that pleases God, worship that that pleases God. Now we uh, we're in chapter number eight last week, and we kind of finished chapter number eight as far as looking at Noah, looking at Noah departing the ark, and we did mention briefly uh, the 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 fact that Noah offered sacrifices to God and that God uh, did within his heart uh, have a blessing for Noah and once we get into chapter number nine we will be looking at what's known as the Noah covenant uh, where God kinda reinstated uh, with Adam. God told Adam be fruitful and multiply. God told Adam have dominion over the earth and we'll look in chapter number nine and we'll see how that God blessed Noah and reinstated that covenant with Noah and then made some changes to it as well. We'll be looking at that in chapter Number nine, uh, and I really thought that we were going to move on into chapter number nine uh, tonight, but the Lord just kept bringing me back to these verses here at the end of chapter number eight, uh, at the looking at the worship that occurred there after Noah got off of the ark. You know what? Isn't it interesting whenever we go through uh, a dramatic situation in our life, uh, that when that's over, we're in a mind to worship. And I'm telling you, if Noah was ever in a state of mind to worship, it was when he got off that ark. I believe uh, it was very evident that God had taken care of him, God had protected him, and especially when they walked off of the ark. Uh, I, I don't know how much devastation was uh, there right in front of them, but the earth definitely looked completely different than it had looked when they boarded the ark and it was obvious that God had taken care of them. And so this evening we want to look briefly at these verses here in the end of chapter number 8 about worship. That pleases God. Let's look here. Let's read verse 20 down through verse number 22. Then we'll pray and we'll get started this evening. The Bible says, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for this example that we have here in the Noah, a father of what true worship ought to look like and what worship that pleases you, what it will consist of. And Father, as we take a few moments this evening to look at this, I pray, dear Lord, that you'll bless our time in the Word. I pray, dear Lord, that it will instruct us. I pray, dear Lord, that it will encourage us. I pray, dear Lord, that it will challenge us, uh, Lord, to be people that worship you in a way that pleases you. I thank you, Lord, for each person that comes out uh, each Wednesday night, faithfully comes, faithfully attends. Lord, I pray that you'll put a special blessing upon their life for their faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, for those that are downstairs uh, working, uh, Lord, with the children, with the teens. I pray, to, Lord, that you will bless each and every one of them. I pray, to, Lord, that you will work in their lives, Lord, as they minister to the Word, to the young people, that, Lord, seeds will be planted. And, Lord, that the young people will come to know you. And, Lord, that discipleship will begin. And, Lord, that these young people will begin to grow in you. Uh, Lord, that they might be used mightily of you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As I said, we look briefly at this offering that Noah offered last week, uh, this offering that Noah made to God after the flood and the promise that God made to all the earth in response uh, of that offering, which there's a little tidbit we can grab right here before we even get into what I have planned, is uh, that whenever we worship God the way that God desires to be worshipped, many times all those around us benefit from the blessings of God. Uh, When God pours out his blessings, he a lot time pours them out of a water hose. And if you're close by, you get some of the extra blessings. And we see here that Noah offered to God, and because of Noah's offering, God gave a blessing that is still we are still benefiting from that blessing today. Uh, God poured this blessing out uh, to Noah. But I wanted to take a few minutes and look at this thing uh, of worship. Here we see Noah worshiping God, and there's some elements in Noah's offering, some elements of worship that I believe would be found to be true in any worship that is pleasing to God. You know, there are many things that are considered worship. As a matter of fact, uh, sometimes the word worship is used Used loosely, and sometimes it's even used incorrectly uh, in ways that people use to define the word worship. Uh, and there are many opinions over what the spirit and conduct should be in worship. There's one person who uh, they stand in their pew with tears flowing down their eyes, and that's worship. There's another person who jumps out of his pew, waving his hands in the air, shouting glory at the top of his voice, and that's worship. But many times the the fellow jumping out of the pew will look at the person that's silently worshiping and speak ill of them. Or the person that's silently worshiping may speak ill of the person that's being loud and boisterous. There's a lot of opinions over what the spirit and conduct of worship ought to be. Uh, But I believe that we see here in this example of Noah uh, some elements uh, that I believe will be evident in any true worship. Worship. Uh, now, I, I believe true worship, if we were to give worship a definition that I believe is an accurate definition of what is worship, many times we try to define worship uh, by uh, the expression. You know, worship is singing. Uh, worship is praying. Worship is crying. We try to, we, we try to put a, a physical action as the definition of worship, and I really think that's an inaccurate way to define worship. I believe that worship, if we're to give it a definition, and I wrote this definition, and it's lengthy, and I couldn't figure out a way to make it run smoother, so y'all just bear with me, all right? I guess it's the preacher in me. I just had to put a lot of words. But anyway, I believe that true worship, however it is expressed, however you expressed it, can be defined as a demonstration of my recognition of the awesomeness of God in relation to my insignificance and unworthiness of His love. Now, like I said, that's a little bit lengthy, so I'll, I'll read it to you again just so that you can follow what I'm thinking. I believe true worship, however it is expressed, can be defined as a demonstration of my recognition of the awesomeness of God in relation to my insignificance and unworthiness of his love. In other words, if I raise my hand during a song about the love that God has for me, that's worship. Brother Danny sang uh, just a few Sundays back uh, that song about the blood. I'm telling you what, Brother Danny can sing that song. God gives you chills when he sings it. I, he was singing about the blood, and I'm sitting here upon the platform, my hands up in the air. I was... I was overwhelmed at the awesomeness of what God's blood had done for me and my physical response to my recognition was raising my hand in the air and that was an act of worship. It was a demonstration that I recognized I'm so unworthy of such a great God. That's worship. Uh, If I stand at my pew and weep uh, uh, after a sermon about the crucifixion, that's worship. That's worship. I have recognized the extent of the sacrifice that an almighty God made for an unworthy sinner like me. And my physical response is is that demonstration is worship. If I become overwhelmed at the power of salvation and how it changed my life, and I jump out of my pew and shout hallelujah and wake all the sleepers up, it's worship. It's worship. The demonstration was a result of me recognizing what God had done for me. It's worship. Uh, And we could go on and on and look at all the different things and ways that we have seen people respond to recognizing what God has done for them. And oftentimes the devil likes to jump on our back and say, well, they're fake or they're not genuine. No, no. That's not how you measure worship. Worship is me recognizing how awesome God is and how insignificant I am. And that recognition causing a physical response in me. And those physical response are the result of worship. I believe that worship can't be defined by the expression because how we express the emotion that we feel varies from person to person. Every person's different. Every person expresses the emotion they feel very differently. We see this in the Bible. David When they brought the ark of the Lord back, the Bible says that they would go six paces, they would offer sacrifices, and David would dance before the Lord. They'd go six more spaces, they would offer sacrifices, and David would dance before the Lord. This was worship. David was worshiping the Lord. When we read about Abraham and God showed up at the tent, Abraham fell on his face before the Lord. Two completely different responses, both of them driven by a recognition of who God is. Uh, We see that when Moses encountered the burning, fiery bush uh, there in the desert, he took his shoes off. Holy ground. But we see Peter walking on the water. I mean, two completely different responses, both driven by a recognition of who God is. We see that uh, Daniel prayed three times. Didn't matter what the law was. Knew that he could get thrown in a lion's den. He still opened his windows and he prayed three times. Gideon hid and put out a fleece. Both of them were doing what they did because they had recognized who God was. Abraham, uh, or Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas sang in prison, locked up, beaten, singing at the top of their lungs. Then we look at Abraham offering up his son on the top of the mountain, unsure of what's going on. And we could go on and on and on looking at examples in the Bible of the different ways that people responded because they recognized who God was. So I don't believe that it's possible to define worship per an expression. Singing's worship, preaching's worship, reading the Bible's worship, weeping's worship, shouting's worship, it's all worship if it is a response of my recognition of the awesomeness of God. I believe it's all worship. Now, you might disagree with me, but that's my redneck interpretation of what worship is. But in every instance of true worship, however it's displayed, in every instance, you will find some elements that are true And I believe those elements are here in this passage of Scripture in Genesis chapter number 8. And I want to take a few minutes and look at Noah's worship and some elements that were obvious there. And I believe we can use these to determine whether or not the worship that we're doing or the worship that we're seeing is genuine or perhaps it's not real after all. There's three things that I want to point out in verse number 20 that I'm referring to as our approach to, to God, our approach to God, and I believe that these three things highlight the necessary element or the elements that are necessary in worship that is pleasing unto God. In Genesis chapter number 8 and verse number 20, the Bible says, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings." on the altar. There are three things that existed in Noah's worship after the flood that we see here in this verse that I believe should be present anytime that we're offering worship to God. The first thing that I see in verse number 20, it says there, and Noah builded an altar. I see here personal preparation. Personal preparation. Before Noah could offer a sacrifice, uh, there was some things that he needed to prepare. He needed to build an altar. He needed to have a place uh, to offer these things to God. There was some work that needed to be done uh, before he could offer the offering to God. I believe uh, that any time there is true worship, it will follow personal preparation. I believe a lot of times the reason you see uh, you come to a service, and you've probably been in services where you've seen this: the preachers preaching. I, I'll admit I've been in ser- I've been in services where I was on both sides of the fence, so I, I've experienced both sides of this. You look the preachers preaching, and you look at the congregation, and you see this person over here worshiping. This person's praying. This person's weeping. This guy's got smoke coming off his pen. He's writing notes so fast, and I'm sitting there thinking, "How y'all getting anything out of this? I, I can't even follow this guy. What well, what has got y'all all wound up? Well, the difference is, is those people have been doing some personal preparation before they ever came into the church house. You know, if on your way home from work you're feeling really hungry, so you stop at the gas station and you get yourself a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts and a a 24-ounce Mountain Dew and you consume about two-thirds of that before you get home, it don't matter how good a meal your wife has fixed, you're not going to be real hungry for it. I mean, you might try to eat, you might try to hope that you can eat enough that she won't recognize that you ate Krispy Kreme donuts on the way home, but you really won't have much appetite for it. It doesn't matter how good of a meal it is. But if you say, nope, I know wife's cooking a good meal, not going to stop and get no donuts, I'm going straight home, I'm telling you what, you will consume everything she has prepared and then you'll go in the kitchen and eat a little bit more out of the bowl and hope nobody sees you doing it because you are starved and it is good. You know what? Whenever you see someone worshiping God, you see someone who is just drinking from the fountain, mark it down. This is a person that's been spending time with God. This is a person who has been ministering to his spirit. This is a person that's been keeping himself away from the junk of the world, and whenever he comes to the service uh, and someone says God is good, he nearly jumps out of his pew because this is where he's living, and you are exactly right. God is good. I believe true worship is always preceded by personal preparation, personally making sure that I am aware of God. There is nothing that will kill a spirit of worship like neglecting the Word of God. Nothing. You neglect the Word of God, and you will find yourself getting cold, you'll find yourself getting weak, you'll find yourself getting disinterested, but if you prepare yourself personally, you come to the house of God and you will automatically result in worship. I remember when I was, I was just a teenager, I was 15, 16 years old, and uh, during that period of my life, 15, 16, right in that area, um, I, I surrendered to preach when I was 14 and about 15, 16 years old, I was taking a lot of Bible courses at school. I was reading the Bible more than I ever had. I was I was reading the book of Proverbs through every week, reading a lot in the Bible, just spending a lot of time in the Word of God, spent a lot of time praying. I was memorizing a lot of Scripture at that point in my life and just was really probably, uh, as far as personal devotion, uh, consuming more of God's Word than I ever have before or since. Now, uh, as a pastor, I consume a lot, but a lot of it is uh, because so and so's asked me a Bible question, and I'm studying to answer that question, and I'm preparing a Sunday school lesson, or I'm preparing a sermon, and, and so as far as just personal devotions, boy, I was consuming a lot. And we went to a revival meeting, and uh, the preacher was preaching, and, and he was making an illustration, and he was building to something. And he was, he was getting ready to reveal this truth about God. And I mean, I was on the edge of my seat listening. The building was packed. I forgot that there was anybody in the building but me. I was honed in. And he was giving this illustration and giving this illustration. And Brother Greg, I started getting ahead of him. I started seeing where he was going. And just before he got to the punchline, I got to the punchline. I jumped clean out of my pew. I let out the biggest wahoo I think I've ever let out in a church. And he stopped, and all the people in the church stopped and just looked at me. I smiled at everybody and sat back down. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. Sorry about that. I was, I was prepared, I was ready, I was hungry, I saw where he was going, and it just came out. I was excited about what God was doing. Now, I'm not saying that no one else there was. It was a great service. He he picked right back up, went on preaching, and everybody else shouted, and, and we went on with the with the message. All I'm saying is give it a try. And if you've been a Christian very long at all, you've experienced this, you know. Those times when you come to church and you and God have been having sweet fellowship, the services are so much sweeter. But those times when you've been consumed with the world and God's Word has been neglected, you go away wondering... What songs we sing? What passage did the preacher preach on? True worship is always preceded by personal preparation. The second thing that I see that Noah did that I think always goes with true worship is we see there it says, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl. I believe here that when we truly worship, we will have provision from our possessions. Provision from our possessions. We see here it says he took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl. Now, Noah and his three sons and their wives were the only people alive on earth. And they've just took care of all these animals for over a year in their floating zoo. If anybody could lay claim to all these animals, it was Noah. Nobody was really going to contest it. These animals belonged to Noah. They were his. He took care of them. He had raised them. They're his animals. But we see here that in worship Noah sacrificed of these animals. Now we mentioned last week, Cal, that when you consider that this was all the animals alive on the entire earth, that this was quite a significant sacrifice, that he killed this many animals in the sacrifice. But look at it from the aspect of, These were animals that Noah could have sacrificed for himself. This could have been dinner. This could have been breakfast. This could have been provision for Noah. But Noah gave them to God. What I see here is that in the sacrifice, Noah gave back to God what God had already given to him. Although I've tried to make it seem like this was a difficult choice for Noah to make, I really don't think it was. I really don't think Noah had any problem at all sacrificing these animals because Noah recognized everything that I have, the fact that I'm alive, the fact that I've got this big boat, the fact that I still have my family, the fact that there's animals to populate the earth, it is very obvious that all of this is because of God. God, you can have whatever you want. I'm willing to give back to you whatever you want. Noah was giving back to God what God had first given to him. And I believe that true worship happens whenever we come to that understanding. God, whatever you want is yours. I am willing to give you anything I have. All of it is yours. It's all available. It's all for you because you gave it to me. We are willing to make provision out of our own possessions, because we recognize that everything we have belongs to God. I love whenever the children of Israel were leaving leaving Egypt, preparing to leave Egypt, and Moses went to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, well, how much of the flocks are you going to take? Now I'm paraphrasing, but Moses said to Pharaoh, we're taking them all because we're not sure how many of them God's going to (laughs) want. I'm like, shouldn't that be our attitude? Everything I have is available for God. It doesn't mean that God's going to take it all, but it means that everything I have is available to Him because everything I have is because of Him. You know what? Oftentimes we come to worship, but there's things we want to withhold. It could be possessions. It could be ourself. It could be anything that we see that we are responsible and we feel like... We are the reason we have it. We don't. We we tend to not want to offer that to God, but true worship happens whenever we have a spirit of God. Whatever I have, whatever I have, is yours. Whatever I have is yours. I remember uh, a camp meeting, and I've this story. The, this illustration, the Lord's brought it to my mind two or three times, and I kept dismissing it, but He keeps bringing it back. So I'm going to share it. We went to a camp meeting, and that was right about the same time period when I was the same age, 15, 16, 17 years old. We went to a camp meeting in Kentucky, uh, my dad and their family. And I mean, the Lord was was in that place. The Lord was meeting. The Lord was blessing. And uh, there was a pastor there was raising money to start a church or something. I don't remember what it was. And they took up an offering to help him. And after the service, my dad came to me. And he said, son, do you have any money or did you give it all away in the offering? And I forget what I had, but I still had some cash in my wallet. He said, if you don't mind, hang on to that because I gave all my money away and we don't have any money to get home on now. I need money to buy gas, so if you could uh, hang on to what little bit you have to make sure we get home. It's just a funny story. It really did happen, honestly, and we used my money to get back home. It really did happen. But dad went to that meeting with a heart. He needs it. I'm giving it. Now, I guess dad's faith got weak after he gave it and he came running to me to see if he could find a way to take care of his need. But it's like, God, if I, you need it, I've got it, it's yours. And you know what? God has a way of whenever we have that attitude towards him of pouring out blessings on us more than, we can, more than we can contain, more than we can hold. He has a way of meeting with us. So we see here that Noah gave provision from his possessions. And then thirdly, if there's to be a true spirit of worship, I believe that there must be personal participation. Personal participation. It says there in the last part of verse number 20, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Have you ever been in a service? I, I will admit I've been guilty of this. You ever been in a service where God was moving and God was stirring and you began to feel him moving in your heart? You began to feel him stirring and you began to feel him moving. And the flesh gets in the way, and you're like, I don't want to look like an idiot. Uh, and that, that amen swells up in your chest, and you swallow it back down where it came from. Oh, I don't want to look like an idiot. I don't want nobody looking at me. And, and yep, mm-hmm, yep. And afterwards, somebody says, that was a good service, wasn't it? You're like, yeah, it's was a good service, mm-hmm. Or for whatever reason the flesh has a way of getting in the way I admit I've definitely I've definitely been there I've definitely choked it down before just whatever reason the flesh got in the way and I just uh, I suppressed it a little bit maybe concerned about what others would think and suppressed it a little bit and after the service was over and I'm standing watching those who entered into worship and I feel a little left out because I didn't you know what, you got to participate if you're going to experience the benefits of worship. You know what, whenever, whenever God fills you up, let it out. <laughs> whenever God fills your heart, uh, let it show. And like I said, how you express it doesn't matter. Just don't suppress when God is stirring. I have to believe that that day as Noah and his family stood there around that altar, and I know the picture I had very poorly depicted what was going on. But as they stood there, some with their arms raised up, some on their faces, some just looking at the world around them and all of what God had done, I believe there was a spirit of connection and relationship with God that they probably had not experienced prior to that point. And I want to say that there are many times that we could experience a closeness to God. A couple weeks ago when I was preaching, I said if you want to meet with God, you're going to meet with Him in the church house. I believe there's been some times, I know myself for sure, that I've missed some close connection with God because I suppressed the Spirit. But I know there's been some times when I left services knowing without a doubt that I have met with God knowing that God had met with me. If if you're going to benefit from worship, there's got to be personal participation. So we see here our approach to God. But then when man worships God in truth, I believe that God will respond to the worship. God will respond to the worship. And in verse 21 through 22, we see God's response to man. It says, And the Lord smelled a sweet savour, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imag- imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. I see three things here concerning God's response to man. First of all, I see that he will receive our worship. Have you ever tried to compliment someone? Especially, you know, if you're a when you were a young guy and you was trying to win someone special's heart, and you gave that compliment and it just came out all wrong, and you just wanted to crawl under a table and you hoped that she didn't hear you, you you've been there. And Hopefully this didn't happen to you, but uh, probably at some point, probably when you was in middle school, you offered one of those compliments, and to this day she's never spoken to you again. (laughs) I mean, it it just came off bad, you know. It just wasn't right. There's things that we try to offer sometimes as people to other people that can be mistaken, misread, and misunderstood. But you know what? Whenever we worship God in the right spirit, the spirit being, I've recognized who he is. Recognized how insignificant I am. And I am overwhelmed by the awesomeness of God. However it comes out, he will receive our worship. It said there in verse uh, verse number 21, it said there, And the Lord smelled a sweet Savior. Now we know that Noah was offering up a sacrifice and that sacrifice was going up to the Lord, but this doesn't mean that the Lord necessarily smelt the smell of burning animals. No, this means that the Lord received Noah's worship. Noah is recognizing who I am, and I am receiving what he is offering to me. I am smelling what he's offering, and it is a good thing. That's the next thing that we see here. Not only will he receive our worship, but he will rejoice in our worship. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. He will rejoice in our worship. You know, one of the things that I love about having children is that it helps me in just a very small way to understand how God sees me. Have you ever had a child give you a gift that was really a pretty pitiful gift? I mean, when they're in kindergarten and they're trying to learn how to draw pictures and they draw a picture of your dog. I mean outside of the fact that this was your child and they did it out of love. If you just look at the picture of the pet dog in and of itself, by itself, there's not much to look at. But you still have it put away and it still means a lot to you. Why? Because your child drew it for you because they loved you. I've got all kinds of coffee cups. I like coffee cups. I like drinking coffee and have a lot of coffee cups. You know the ones I like the most? It says, uh, "I love, I, I heart my dad," or "World's best dad," or "We love you, dad." You, you know the cups. Y'all've got those same cups on your shelf. You know what? Every time I get one of those cups off the shelf, every time it puts a smile on my face. Every time I cannot drink out of one of those cups without it putting a smile on my face because this was something my child gave me because they loved me. Noah was offering animals to God that God had created, that God had brought to him, that God had kept alive in a boat for a year. I mean, Noah really wasn't offering much. And God said, Noah, this is a sweet saver. (laughs) Noah, this is awesome. Noah, I love what you are doing. I'm telling you what, it's just amazing. God will receive our worship and God will rejoice in our worship. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. When I'm up here singing on Sunday mornings, it might be painful to your ears, but it's music to God's ears. And he rejoices in it. He loves it. It thrills him. He rejoices in our worship. And then we see last of all, he will respond to our worship. It says there, and the Lord said, and it goes on and tells us the promise that God made for those people because of Noah's sacrifice. Noah said, God, I'm going to take these animals that you created, that you brought to me, that you kept alive, and I'm going to give some of them back to you. And God said, Noah, because you did that, I am going to give a blessing on the entire earth. Noah, thousands of years from now, people will still be benefiting because of this act of worship. You know what? We need not underestimate. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. You want to see God blessing a church? Let's find a church that is in a spirit of worshiping God and you will find a church that is reaping the blessings of God because they are worshiping Him. God will respond to genuine worship. Hope that was a blessing to you. Like I said, I I really thought that we were going to go on into chapter number 9, but I just just kept coming back to these verses and I'm like... The Lord wants us to visit this worship session one more time. and So I hope that's a blessing to you. I know I definitely enjoyed it, and I hope the Lord helps me to become a person that worships Him. Make sure I got my heart right. My my heart is clean. Everything's clear between me and Him so that I can enter into a, a worship of Him, and I can reap the blessings of a God who says, if you love me, let me show you how much I can love you. I'm telling you what, it's a good God. It's a good God that we serve. Amen. All righty. Well, just before we close in the season.